Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. It tells us uh, there is joy in heaven in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. That brings joy, gladness to the very heart of God. And this morning we're going to be back in John chapter 4. And I just want to read verses 1 through 42 again. Uh, I know we did that the last time. I'd like to do it again, but it is a powerful story. Just on the surface of it, there's just a, it glorifies and honors our Savior um, as he dealt with this woman. And notice as we go through the conversation, 13 times he'll say, Jesus said to her, she said to him. Jesus answered and said back and forth 13 times is the wonderful dialogue between our Lord and this dear lady. But if you look in verse number 1 of chapter 4, John chapter 4 and verse 1, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Now, he wasn't running he, because he was afraid. Um, it, it just wasn't his timing to remain in Jerusalem. His hour had not yet come. And so he departs from this area. And notice in particular verse 4. We, made, we looked at that very closely last time. Verse 4 says, but he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, and it was an arduous journey, about 20 miles, uh, rough terrain, and he was worn out when by the time he got here. The Bible tells us that uh, Jesus sat thus by the well it was about the sixth hour. And then verse 7, A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And uh, we talked a little bit about that last time, how there was uh, the, the Jews considered the Samaritans as heretics. Uh, they had corrupted the theology of the Old Testament. They, they only accepted the first five books of the Bible. They moved their worship from Jerusalem to Mount Gerizim. Um, and... Uh, there, there was, they intermarried with the pagan nations around them. So, uh, they, they, it, to put it mildly, they, couldn't, they had no dealings with the Samaritans. When Jesus' disciples came back, the, the question on their mind, they were really indifferent to this woman. What is he doing talking to this woman, especially this Samaritan woman? In another place, uh, I was reading uh, it's in Luke's Gospel, maybe chapter 9, where uh, Jesus was going into a Samaritan village with, it was about to go into a Samaritan village with uh, his disciples, and they, the city didn't want them going in there because they, they knew they were on the way to Jerusalem. And remember what John and James says? Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven? That was the apostle of love, by the way. <laughs> and the Bible says the Lord rebuked them 
so the Lord has some ch- had to change some of their feelings toward the Samaritans. But look in verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, uh, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked Him, and He would have given you living water. And the woman said to Him, Sir, uh, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly the woman said to him sir i perceive that you are a prophet she's in complete agreement she doesn't try to excuse her sin she knows that god that that he is a prophet from god at the very least and verse number 20 our she says she continues she says our fathers worship on this mountain And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers, who are the true worshipers? The true worship are those who are redeemed, those who are saved. The, now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Not only do we see the Son seeking the lost, we see that the Father is seeking true worshipers. He's seeking the lost to convert them, to make them true worshipers. Verse 24 The Lord continues saying, uh, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, it's an amazing statement here, and the sovereignty of God in that Jesus uh, reveals himself as the Messiah, not in Jerusalem, but in Samaria to an adulterous woman, a Samaritan woman, he reveals himself as the Messiah, the I am. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Literally, the he is not there. It's in our English Bible, but it literally is I am. Jesus is declaring himself to be the I am that revealed himself in the Old Testament scriptures. Look at verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. And remember, John, God is using John to write this, so that may have been his own thoughts. Why is he talking to this woman? Yet 
No one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, and the Lord has a message for his disciples here. They, they urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. Your, we got your Chick-fil-A and your fries are getting cold. <laughs> uh, is, I think that, isn't that the Living Bible translation there? Uh, but anyway, look in verse 31. In the meantime, uh, verse 32, but he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I tell, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps, and I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored, and others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me, this is what she said, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And prayer has the blessing of the reading of God's word as we continue. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you for your precious word that you've preserved for us today. Father, we thank you for the self-disclosure of our Lord in these passages that we read, these verses that we read. And Father, we pray today that you would help us to see Christ in a fresh way. Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see, see him. We ask that you would give us ears to listen to him. And just as surely as this woman met the Lord at the well. Lord, we pray that you would meet us today in this service. We pray that you would glorify your name and cause your word to go forth and bear fruit in our hearts. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're in John chapter 4 again this morning, and we've been learning it from the Master. Remember what the Lord said in Matthew chapter 4? In verse 19, the Lord said this, Follow me, and I will make you uh, fishers of men. And there's no better example, no better pattern for us to follow than the example that our Lord Jesus Christ left. You know, when we're looking over this chapter, there are two overall, overarching things that stand out. One is the concern of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we didn't talk about this last time, but the concern that Jesus has for the loss, and then the second, you see his method in dealing with the loss, and both of those are important. If you were asked me um, which is more important, I'd say the concern 
because uh, we can go through evangelism um, programs and techniques and try to sharpen our skills and it's good to, to have the correct methods but if we don't have the concern we'll never bother with uh, sharing Christ with anyone and so we see his concern for this dear woman uh, Jesus said in Luke 19:10, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost and his desire uh, is in perfect alignment with the father's will the father in this passage says that the scripture says the father is seeking true worship worshipers there's no one more evangelistic than God. God is seeking and saving the lost to become true worshipers. Remember, in, we, we did read this verse last time, John chapter 20 and verse 21. The reason that John wrote the gospel is that it might be a witness to point people to Jesus Christ, to show them that He is who He claimed to be. In John 20 and verse 21, uh, well, I'm sorry, that... Uh, John chapter 20. Well, let's turn there real quickly. John chapter 20. I do want to share John 20 21, but uh, the verse following it in verse number 31, John says this, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing you may have life in His name. John wrote this gospel to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ and to show them that He is who He claimed to be. But also, verse 21 of that same chapter, John chapter 20 and verse 21, Jesus says this, As the Father has sent Me, I also send you. So not only does the Father have a concern for the lost, and not only does the Son have, and the Spirit have a concern for the lost, but Jesus told His followers, His commission to them is, As the Father has sent Me, even so, send I you. I remember my pastor sharing a story about a man in his small town that uh, got saved. And the man was mute. He couldn't speak a word. Like he had been that way his, his whole life. But he, he wanted to tell somebody about the new life that he had in the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, what he did, um, he, he went out on a hillside on one of the main roads through town and he put up this huge wooden cross and he stood by that cross and he would point up into heaven and then he would point at that cross and then he would point to his heart and he would do that over and over again point to heaven and that cross and his heart with, and sometimes with tears running down his face and my pastor's testimony is that there were many people who came to faith in Jesus Christ because of that man who couldn't speak a word but he had to tell somebody about the greatest person in his life. That man had had, had the, that kind of concern that, that we need as a body of believers. All of us need that kind of concern. Well, let me just very, very briefly mention the, the five that we covered last time. And if you didn't get to jot them down, and we'll have to mention them very briefly because we have five more to look at this morning. But first of all, we saw that from Jesus was that evangelism is his life. We look at verse 32 when his disciples came back to bring him food and Jesus told them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And then in verse 34, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
that I have a higher life-sustaining force than mere physical food. It was to do the will of God. That, Jesus is saying, that's why I'm here. And then, then secondly, we saw is that God saves sinners for His glory. And there wasn't any one verse that we could point to in this chapter, but the whole chapter points to the Savior. And at the very end, the Samaritans bless God and say, this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So uh, God saves sinners for His glory. He doesn't save sinners because He's lonely or because um, there's some deficiency in His person or He's incomplete. No, He saves sinners for His glory. And then the third thing we talked about in uh, learning from the Master is the importance of prayer in witnessing. And prayer ought to really undergird every part of our attempts at uh, being a witness for Christ. Uh, we pray for opportunities to share. We pray for specific people. We've been doing that. Praying that God would put people in their path. Um, I talked with a man this week who's praying for his family members. And um, he actually saw his brother come to faith in Jesus Christ. But what he did, he said, I, I prayed that God would put my brother in a place of need. And God did that in his life and, and brought him to faith in Jesus Christ. As we've been going through the book of Acts, Gene has shared with us, and we've seen that the church, when they're persecuted, they, what do they do? They go to, to prayer. They're on their knees before God saying, God, give us boldness. Help us to be the witness that you've called us to be. So prayer is vital as far as sharing uh, our faith for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fourth thing we saw, and I just love this one, is that God providentially provides opportunity for us to share our faith. There are divine appointments. And if you're like me, I, there have been times that I've looked back and I said, Lord, I know you wanted me to talk with that person. I can see it more clearly. And I missed an opportunity. But uh, we see this very clearly. We saw it in the last time in verse 4. Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Uh, he was there at a certain time, a certain place, talking to a certain one. God prop does provide those providential opportunities to share our faith. Then the fifth thing we saw last time was that Jesus initiated the conversation, the contact with this lost person. Um, he asked her a question, which, which was um, it wasn't a spiritual question at first. It really disarming. Uh, it bridged a barrier. He says in verse 7, give me a drink. And uh, he crossed all kinds of barriers when he did that. He crossed a racial barrier. Uh, she was a Samaritan. He was a Jew. He crossed race, religious barrier. Um, he crossed social barriers. I pointed out last time that Jews um, had no dealings with the Samaritans. And it wasn't considered... Um, proper socially for men to speak with women in public. Even a rabbis would not speak to their own wife in public in that culture of that day. But Jesus crosses all those barriers because of the value of reaching this woman with the truth. Someone has given three C's of evangelism. Contact leads to conversation, which leads to uh, conversion many times. Contact leads to conversation which leads to conversion. I've already pointed out 13 times, back and forth. And I think that the one thing that the Lord has taught me through the years, you know when I was younger when it came to share the gospel, I was like opening a water hydrant and just hitting them with uh, everything. 
and not even a list. It's kind of, kind of like when you get those telemarketer, you've ever gotten those telemarketer phone calls where they keep going and going and don't even give you a chance to, to say a word. And that's uh, uh, how I uh, shared Christ um, many times. But now I'm learning to, to listen to people and to have more of a dialogue. Uh, the Lord gives us the example of, of how he listened. He really listened to her. And I made that contact and conversation. And so th those were the five things that we looked at last time. Now, uh, the, the six things, and there are many, many lessons that we can learn in this. Uh, and we're just, I, we're not really doing it justice, I don't feel. But let's look at five more this morning. The, the sixth one is that Jesus offers the glorious gospel. Jesus offers the glorious gospel. We see that in verse number 10 that we read a moment ago, but let's just read those verses again. The Bible says, Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus said, answered and said to her, If you knew, and I have that next phrase underlined, the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have, I have that next word underlined, ask him. And he would have given you and then living water. All of those speak of God's offer of salvation. The, especially the idea of living water. It goes back to Isaiah chapter 55. Uh, the, the, it, salvation is by God's grace. And he continues on. Um, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. And uh, read that it was the well was probably about 100 feet deep. And she asked him, Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. And that word never in the original is a double negative. You know, it's not proper English for us to say ain't never. I, we hear it all the time, but that's not good grammar. But in Greek, you could stack up negative like that. He, he's saying, I, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never, never thirst. Never, not in any way, thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus is speaking gospel truth here. This is why he came to offer the, the gift of salvation. And it's by asking him. It's not by works. And it will become in him, that person, a, a well of water springing up into eternal life. Jesus offers her salvation. He turns the conversation from the physical realm to the spiritual. At first, he was thirsty and she had the water. Now, the Lord is speaking to her as if she is the thirsty one and he had the water. Um, and look, look at her response in verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to, to, to draw. Now, many people right here would say, Well, she's ready. Just lead her in the sinner's prayer. Get her to sign a card. Uh, but everybody wants to go to heaven, don't they? But that's, that's the only part of the gospel, isn't it? The Lord knows that she's not ready. She needs to understand her guilt and sin before God. 
1, lesson 7, is that Jesus exposes the sin in our heart. That's found in verses number 15. We read just a moment ago all the way down to verse number 19. She recognizes in these verses her need before a holy God. Look in verse number 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Now, why does Jesus do that? That just seems a little, so random. It really not pertain to the conversation. Jesus says, go call your husband. Now, Jesus didn't take a holier-than-thou approach to this woman, does he? He doesn't humiliate her in her sin. He could have said, you immoral woman, you, you know, I know about... He doesn't do that, but he says, go call your husband. And I just love the way the Lord deals with her in this way. And he knows this is going to have her to think about her relationships. And now she doesn't know all the Old Testament scriptures, but she does know the Ten Commandments. The, the book they did except the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses. And you find the Ten Commandments, and one of the Ten Commandments says what? Thou shalt not commit adultery. She knew that was that um, um, that commandment. In verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. She was going to try to slip her way out. And she was being truthful partially there at that, that point uh, because the Lord says in verse 17, he continues, the Lord said to her, you have well said I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband and that you true, truly spoke. And the woman said to him, and we see by her reaction, she doesn't try to excuse her sin. She says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She doesn't try to get out of her sin or deny her sin. Someone has said that a willingness to confess one's own sin is a mark of genuine spiritual thirst. Unless a person is convicted of their sin, they can't come to Jesus Christ. Uh, that's the one thing that we should look for. And she acknowledges her sin. She acknowledges that Jesus knows all about her. She doesn't try to excuse her sin. And so that's the other part of the gospel. Not only that salvation is free and it's glorious and heaven is wonderful and you can have forgiveness of sin, but we have to acknowledge that acknowledge our guilt and sin before a holy God and a willingness to turn from that sin. It's repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, that's what Paul told the Ephesian church in Acts chapter. So the Lord exposes the sin of her heart. And you, you see the Lord in dealing with people in other places in the Gospels that uh, He did that often. He gave them the law. And God's purpose of the law was to show us our sin, our guilt before God. You can write down... Uh, Romans chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, and I like Romans 3, 19 through 20. Every mouth will be stopped before God. We all judge guilty before a holy God. And so she, she understands uh, the need of her heart, the sin of, of her heart. That's lesson number 7. Uh, look at lesson number 8 is that... Um, and there are many things that we can talk about here, but uh, we're in no position to judge someone as too far gone. The, the disciples were just completely indifferent to this woman. Her, her, the village that she lived in probably didn't have much to do with her. She was a social outcast. 
But uh, she was gloriously saved. You say, how, how do you know? We see the fruit of her life. The, the testimony that she bore for the Lord Jesus. Her life was changed. She sensed her need. She acknowledged her guilt. She recognized the Savior. And now we see in God's Word, she shows the fruit of a transformed life. And that, that ought to be a lesson for it. Never write someone off. There's no, no one too far gone for the grace of God. Corey Tim Boom uh, said that the grace, there's no pit so deep that the grace of God is not yet deeper still. The, the grace of God is deeper than anyone's pit of sin. And, and this woman was gloriously saved. So I want to encourage you, if you have loved ones, that you think that uh, there's just no hope. You know, they've lived their whole life in sin. Uh, I want to encourage you to keep on praying for them. We're in no position to judge someone as too far uh, gone. And you find that in verses 19 through 26. Um, look, look in verse number 21. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me that now the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You know, she senses her need and she wants to get right with God. Have you ever talked with someone and you say, well, they feel like, well, they come under conviction and they, well, I just need to start to church again. I need to clean up my life. And you do sense this about her life that she says, well, I, I need to get on my knees before God, but where do I go, Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim? And uh, she, don't, she doesn't know a lot of religious questions to ask him, but that's she knew that one. That was a controversy between the Jews and Samaritans. And she also know, but knew about the coming of the Messiah. She asked, mentions that down in the verses that follow. But Jesus points to the fact that it's not the where, it's the who are you worshiping and how are you worshiping. And Jesus tells her, uh, by the way, the the Lord. This is a this prediction was literally fulfilled. This is a prophecy. Jesus says there's coming a day when you won't worship in Jerusalem nor this other place. And a little over three decades, the Romans completely destroyed the Jewish temple, and they went to Mount Gerizim and they slaughtered the priests there on Mount Gerizim. Completely did away with the worship. So our Lord's words are literally fulfilled prophetically. Uh, the Lord says, you worship what you do not know. We worship, verse 22, what we know. For salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said, to her again I who speak to you am he and it's literally Jesus said to her I am the one who is speaking to you that's how the language falls out in the original in verse 27 at this point his disciples at the very point that he was saying I am the disciples come up and he was talking with this woman yet no one asked why do you, what do you seek or why are you talking with her the woman left her water pot the most important thing in her life at that point getting water she abandoned it because she found uh, something far greater and i believe you know the scripture doesn't tell us everything i believe between those white spaces that there was probably some more conversation and uh she became 
a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. She wanted that living water. And that brings us to the ninth lesson. Uh, number eight was where no position to judge someone is too far gone. Number nine is that Jesus' words to His disciples, we see in verse number 35, we see the urgency of the harvest. The urgency of the harvest. Look, if you will, in verse uh, 35, and these words are to His disciples. The woman has gone back to the village, and the Lord is speaking to His disciples, and he's, this is a teachable moment for them. They've completely missed what He's doing here. And in verse 35, the Bible says, do you not say there are still four months and then comes a harvest? Now, I know I'm talking to some master gardeners here this morning. You, you know what it takes to get a garden. Uh, you have to get the dirt, uh, get to plow it up or hoe it up or whatever you do, get the, the soil prepared, uh, put eggshells for the tomato plants, as I learned this year, and then you put the plant in there, the seed, and then you water it. And hopefully you'll get some more from nature watering. And what do you do then? You wait, don't you? That, that, that's, and you wait and you wait until the harvest. And then there's a rush in it to get whatever is ripe in before it uh, rots in the fields. I mean, when, when it comes in, uh, that's the time for the harvest. Normally, Paul, uh, Jesus says the law of the harvest, four months and then come... That's the, the normal way we think about sowing and reaping. But Jesus says it, it's different uh, with his harvest. He says, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white or harvest. And there's an urgency, he's saying. You know, we live in a narrow window of time between the Lord's first coming and his second coming. And there ought to be an urgency. We, we sense in these words that there is an urgency of the harvest, that the harvest is ready. There's a narrow window of opportunity to get the harvest in. Uh, it speaks to the ur urgency of the harvest. And then the last lesson that we see, again, we could talk about so many things in these verses, but um, the last thing, which is as we watch the Master, and how he dealt with people is that we see uh, how we are making a difference for eternity. When God uses a church, God uses a believer uh, to reach a soul for Christ, and only God can save. Salvation is a work of God from start to finish. But he says in Romans chapter 10, how shall they hear without preaching? That we have to open our mouth and share the most important thing in our life. But when we do that and God uses it, we're making a difference for eternity. If you look in uh, verse number 36, he continues talking about the harvest and he says, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. There's that idea of rejoicing again. And the teamwork that is not just one person but collectively as we go out into the harvest that we are making a difference uh, for all uh, eternity uh, making an eternal impact on uh, one soul for the Lord Jesus Christ you know I share with you the, the story about Maria the lady in Honduras but you know if God put me on earth to be a vessel to see that one lady come to I feel like 
I've lived out my life's purpose because uh, there are so many parallels between that lady Maria and this woman at the well. Um, Maria uh, there lives in that garbage dump outside of Tegucigalpa and uh, she is a social outcast. She was a social outcast, uh, looked down upon. Uh, she was living with a man at that time. Uh, and when we first shared the gospel, her heart was hard. Uh, gave her the law, went through the Ten Commandments. She said, no, I'm a good person. At first, she wanted to bring religion into it. like, And, and then we saw how God just broke her heart. And it was the Lord. It, uh, because at first, uh, her heart was not open. But He opened uh, her heart to the gospel. And then to drive back at the end of the week and see on the side of her house that she had painted on the side of the house in Spanish, uh, I love God. God had gloriously saved that lady. We've seen her several times since then and just to know the difference that God can make in the heart of uh, I believe well, you've heard the, the illustration. It, it's probably an overused illustration uh, but it probably because it makes the point so well. You probably heard the story about a little boy who went out on the beach one morning and it, the tides had receding, receded and there were starfish all over the beach. And he was out there picking up the starfish before the sun came out in the heat of the day and helping them back to the water. And a, a man, he was, he was just picking one out the other, throwing them back in the ocean. And a man came along and said, uh, son, uh, don't you know that um, there are thousands of starfish? You're never going to be able to, to get all of these starfish back in the ocean before the sun comes out and, and um, it, it uh, destroys them. And then he picked up one, and you remember the story, don't you? He chunked it out there, and he said, it made a difference to that one. It made a difference to that one. And if the Lord can use our life, um, by the way, I appreciate Jody sharing her testimony last week uh, after the service, and uh, to know that God can use our life. And as she was sharing her testimony, I was thinking, how many Jodys are there out there in this community? How many others are there that need to know that there's a God in heaven who loves them and that we're all sinners that fall short of God's glory but there that the Lord Jesus Christ came to the cross and died in our place he paid that penalty for our sin and that if we'll turn from our sin and come to faith in Jesus